0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Poetry Not PowerPoints. We're joined today, uh, as always, uh, w- I have my uh, esteemed guest host, uh, Kate, with me of uh, Next Step HR. And uh, we're also joined today, our poet for the day is Tucker Bryant. In addition to being an outstanding spoken word poet, he's also a keynote speaker. Uh, so he does a lot of, uh, sort of public performances, conferences, business co- conferences, et cetera. So, you know, really exemplifies, I think, what we're getting at with these with these this podcast series which is that you know we need to insert more poetry into business and particularly around around events so tucker uh, thank you so much for joining us and uh, perhaps you could you know just tell us a little bit about the work you do the kinds of events and the sort of responses you're getting from audiences and so give us a sense of, of your work and then we'll uh, we'll dive in with some questions
1: yeah absolutely well first of all it's it's super nice to be here with both of you so thanks for having me on um, the work that I do, you, you summarized it well. I go to corporate events, conferences, associations, and uh, I'll deliver these thirty to sixty minute long keynotes um, that are sort of a hybrid presentation performance that bring poetry in, uh, but also have sort of business messaging uh, and business insight. Um, and uh, the sort of, I guess, context there is that uh, when i was at google um, over the last few years it became clear to me while writing poetry that um, a lot of the things that our leadership wanted people on the ground to be doing in terms of being original thinkers and stepping out of our comfort zones are things that poets are trying to do every day every time they pick up their pen and so i, I wondered if there might be tools that poets use um to push their crafts forward, that professionals could leverage in the professional context. And so, um, I explore some of those tools in in these corporate contexts. Um, try to do it in a way that also uh, gives some light to how the poetry piece manifests um, on the page. So, it's been a lot of fun. but doing this for the last uh, year and a half or so, and um, hope to be doing it for much longer. But you've been
0: a poet for longer than a year and a half. I mean, I that. that first piece i came across mm. of yours which is that sort of there's a there's a uh, and i recommend anyone to check it out on online it's an autobiographical piece and you're a, you're a, you're a very young man
1: at that point aren't you
0: um
1: yeah really. i had a lot more hair back then um i've been writing for the last <laughs> ten, 10 and a half years or so um it kind of started when i first came to university it kind of spiraled since then there have been periods that i've been insecure about it and uh you know put it put it more into the uh, into the, the the back office uh, in order yeah. to pursue other things, but it always comes back around. So I've kind of accepted it as a key part of my life and identity now.
2: It won't you know, rest, I'd... will it, Tucker? That's the thing. It it won't rest, it's is what to. I'm hearing, and I like that. Because
0: <laughs> yeah. you mentioned you know getting outside your comfort zone. I and mean, when I think about you know the work, your work that I've, I've seen and 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 uh, and we've sort of exchanged over over the years. You know, there is a real Vulnerability, there, you know, like that, that piece you did about your sister, that uh, the uh, the diversity conference we did, that initial autobiographical piece, the piece about you know when we exchanged about 20, about what a dreadful year twenty twenty was. I mean, you do you do put yourself out there in a way that a typical keynote speaker wouldn't, right? That does add that dimension mm-hmm. to your
1: work. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, and and I'll be the first to say that there. So many speakers out there that are doing really cool stuff as both as as business experts, but also as, as just people. And I, I, I get a lot of inspiration from seeing some of the ways that other speakers that I, I look up to are, you know, sharing certain parts of themselves. Um, but I, I do think that poetry has a, a very interesting way of kind of excavating parts of people and crafting them in a in a particular way or giving us the opportunity to craft them. In such a way that um, can create a certain form of connection that, to me, feels very sacred between performer and the audience. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful to to have a medium that that allows me to explore those sorts of well, let's say confessional sounds a little bit trite, but th- those sorts of honesties um, in in the context that poetry does.
2: I'm um, getting goosebumps as you say that. That is precisely the uh, effect that poetry has for me it creates that connection and honesty in a way that the truth is palatable poetry makes the truth more palatable I think, so yeah
1: I love that po- framing yeah
0: so perhaps we should, uh, this sounds like a good time to sort of leap in and hear uh, uh, as regular listeners will know, we ask all our poets to bring a piece along to share with us, so Perhaps we could, uh, that would be a good time to, to do that. and We can get a firsthand experience of, of the power of uh, of your work, Tucker.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah, I'd love to share. I'll be honest with you. I've, I've been kind of um, going back and forth between three poems up until this very second, um, uh, trying to decide what I want to share with you. But I'm going to share with you a newer poem that's also a little bit shorter that I wrote for my favorite guitarist. Um, his name is Satoshi Oka. And uh his his music just hits different. <laughs> and I felt like I had to write something about what that experience feels like. So um this is for Satoshi Oka and the tomb of mahogany throned in your lap. For the blushworthy curves cupping each streak of maple that creases its alder body. And the crown of marbled silver drowning in its own swirls. Forgive me. I didn't come here to gawk. I came to confess that I have been unknotting beneath your typhoon of wails, elegiac melodies brimming with enough mania to send me on a spilling spree. The glittering rust you strum and scatter gathers as metallic breadcrumbs, retracing those road trips where. Each rest stop was real enough to miss, but too liminal to mourn. I come led by the phantom of a moan that leapt from my lips the first time I was baptized in your sob song, which browed my ball into a fist, shaped my face into the prayer whose proof is in its worship. I come emptied, not as in cavernous, but as in child with scraped knee, howling the wound clean. I am emptied up to my lungs in the jade sky you synthesize and the disaster dancing against it, these drippings of lightning and munitions of raindrops that batter me to life. This alchemic sadness is a reminder that all kisses precede severance. Chicken broth leaves the mouth cold. But I see the rippling sky and see most clearly from here tiptoeing on the ledge of your agony, trembling with confidence. The debris of an angst, adulthood strangled with a tie, made animal again, until silence swallows the last gasp of reverb, and I'm left here, tangled in this new wreckage, basking in the bloodletting. Ooh. Wow. So
2: Amazing. many lines, Tucker. So many. Wow! God, it's so good I, too. I it's, not it good. it's not just the volume. It's the volume
0: issue, Kate.
2: Oh you know? no. no, 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 no! It's the quality. Oh my goodness! Um, so who, 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 who what was that I artist really... again? The, the
0: guitarist. What's yeah. the name again?
1: His name is uh, Satoshi Oka. He's a guitar player who uh, is from Japan and does kind of like. Progressive metal stuff, but his 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 real style is that he I don't know if you've heard that whammy bar that some guitar players use. It's that Uh stick uh that kind of hangs onto the bridge and allows you to to manipulate the pitch of a certain note. And he 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 uses it in such a way that makes the guitar really cry, and um yeah, and it feels like a a certain um a certain hole being filled (laughs) in the soul when I listen to to what he does with it. Wow, incredible! So we're
2: all going to was... go and 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 look him up now and have a listen because that's just an amazing tribute to to him as an artist and and the sound that he creates. You, I just have to say you... the lines that I love, though, John. I just have yes, to no, say. I do absolutely, absolutely. All, just, yes, all kisses precede severance. How well observed is that? That is just well, it's like that. And um, adulthood strangled with a tie. I want to uh, reference that, if I may, Tucker. That's a fabulous line for the corporate world, because that's what we do, don't we? We strangle our creativity, our innovation. We put this kind of uh, uniform on and show up as something we think we need to be, and it's it's not what the world needs. So, uh, wonderful lines.
1: I've I I, I finished. That, uh, <laughs> mean it means a lot to get to hear what what resonates with another writer, as I'm sure you both have experienced, so I, I, I really, I really yeah. appreciate you calling those out.
0: No, I mean I think yeah. that
1: you know one of the things that,
0: that's always struck me with Tucker's work is these is, is images that you know image upon image that he he creates. It's uh, stunning.
2: It's stunning.
0: Uh, yes. Yeah, plus the the delivery. Uh, so, is is this Satoshi guy? Are you familiar with Acid Mother's Temple as a band? Do you know no, music? I'm not
1: familiar with them. Check, they're they're Japanese metal. Uh, heavy
0: metal, and they are fantastic. Oh, um, cool. Okay, that's so that check. Like so check though, check hammer. out. and and then write a poem and, and send it to me. So do that. You have to write the poem. <laughs> so,
2: oh, so, uh,
0: in comparison, I mean, I mean, and the the question that really I mean springs to mind, and the, you know, and that, that after that wonderful piece is. Yeah, you know, where do you find? You know, where, where where do you find your inspiration for the business stuff? I mean, you mentioned you know other keynote speakers yeah. who you think are doing a great job, but you know if, if you're if you're asked to come in and and you know you're doing something on leadership, where do you or or whatever? Where does that where is the sort of font of inspiration for those pieces for you?
1: Yeah, so I'll answer this question on a couple of levels. Um, at the highest level. I referenced a little bit earlier that I think there are these tools that poets use um, to, to kind of unlock, you know, new changes and, and evolutions in their own work, and I think of these 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 tools as like the poet's keys, and I think that they are keys that can help leaders and professionals unlock the doors to whatever changes they want to see in their work. It can be innovation changes, leadership style changes, and so. Um, the five keys in my mind are curiosity, figurative thinking, um, imperfectionism, musicality, and and performance. And depending on what the goals of a certain conference or, or company are, uh I, I'll I'll pull from specific themes that any one to five of those themes, uh those keys, excuse me, involve and explore them in much the way that I've explored a new poem, which is often just a lot of stream of consciousness and a lot of junk, um, and one line among the junk that is like vaguely interesting or might have an insight or a nugget of, of wisdom or something worth worth building out around. And so there's this kind of patience and trust that, you know, the map to finding answers that are worth sharing is is somewhere already in us. We have to be willing to spend the time to actually Dig through all of the the muck that might be less um, less important to share in that context, and so yeah. After um, after doing a little bit of that stream of consciousness work, we'll kind of take that one nugget and build around it um, as as much as possible, and combine that with insights that I might have may have already you know um, come up with or, or solidified that are relevant to the themes that the business is is trying to work on.
0: Mm. So as you run through that list, there's one i want, and I may I may have missed already. I don't want to mis- misquote you on it. Um, there was one that stood out to me. I think it was it was it was like the third one. Sort of round. It was sort of imperfection. Was, was it imperfection or something? It was imperfection. Yeah,
1: imperfectionism—the imperfection, oh. antidote to perfectionism. unsurprisingly, yeah.
0: So what what do you what <laughs> does that what do you mean by that imperfectionism?
1: Yeah. Mm. So I'd be curious to know if this is something that you two both. Uh, identify with but I think to push your craft forward as a poet you kind of have to be willing to mess up frequently or or put things out there or at least look at things that are not nearly as pretty or as poetic or whatever as they might be in our heads um, but I feel like when we have the, these grand visions for for changes or for, for new forms of work we, we really easily get stuck committing to that first step um, and, and this sort of pressure to perfect even our baby steps can stun us into an action and stop us from actually getting to the point that we have something that is worth nurturing and melding. And so imperfectionism is about uh, committing to the act of, of screwing up in, in our practices, in our work, in our creative exploration, and trusting that in that okay. process of screwing up, we are creating things that, have the potential to be melded and and crafted into what we want to see them as. Um, And that we also might not know what we actually have the potential to create when we start doing work or when we start um, exploring change at work. Um, Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: that perfectionism allows us to kind of have a little bit more grace in understanding that we don't need to know where we're going to end up to start doing things. And sometimes what we, what we start working on will lead us in a direction that we wouldn't have been able to see but um but is meaningful.
2: It does resonate, but I love the way you describe it. So for me if I were to take what you've just said there, the poet's ability to um accept something they don't understand or they don't know and to just dive in and explore it. So it's it comes back to your first principle of curiosity, the willingness just to experience something and work out what you do know. And as, as I write my poetry, I never used to edit it, Tucker. It would be like one time through, done, perf- perfect, you know. And I've had to work really hard on going, <laughs> going back to stuff and going, oh, maybe it could be a bit better if... And that's been a, a real change for me. So, I love those principles. I think if business can find a way to adopt them with that poetic mindset, then it will shift the thinking and it will open up new perspectives. It's really good. John, what do you, you take me. from that?
0: Well, I see, like, like me, Kate does. Uh, I mean, Kate has a wide portfolio of, of things that she does, but one of them is like me. She does these summaries at, at the end of at the end of events. Yeah. And for those, you know, I mean, you, you know, you know, you're working to such a, a deadline that you have no, uh, you know, you, you you can't you can't dwell too long on it, and 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 you do have to, you know, yeah. you know that some of the things aren't going to work, and but you hope that the the, the momentum and the, the the element of surprise kind of takes you past that. But never, but even so, you know, there's a there's an element of sort of vulnerability there, isn't there? That, yeah. that you you are saying right Massive. here. Massive. Um, that uh, that 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 certainly i think ties in with with what a lot of leadership speakers say you should you know leaders need to be more vulnerable but i think there are few people more vulnerable than than the poet
1: in many ways yeah mm-hmm. I, I i love that you call out momentum there it, i feel like that is such a valuable thing for creatives and for professionals um and i hadn't ever put it into that into that word or framed it around that word but it yeah it's just like Getting into the rhythm of doing things is more valuable than the most, anything we can do. Yeah, I mean, you just
0: have to, you have to sort of step up and, you know, and it ties in with that performance. You know, you mentioned performance, which obviously for, you know, for poets, it's performance. You know, for a spoken word artist, it's, it's 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 performance in the sort of literal sense of, of putting on a show. But right. also for leaders and for organisations, it's about delivering Uh, Results, right, Uh, and and that boat that you have to, uh, you know, there's that that I think you know very close tie in there as well. Um, Absolutely. And
2: delivering on a promise, John. Delivering on a promise as well as results. Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, you? And I I know you know. And again, I I I think Kate would probably agree that in that in that work that we, the only things I find with the summaries and things. Is that it works as a very useful mnemonic. That if I go back to something that I wrote, you know, five years ago as a summary of an event, I can I can see, you know, I'm I'm taken back to that moment. I mean, do you find audiences find that that the the verses that you do are you're creating something that's more memorable? Not not just memorable in the sense of of that experience in the moment, but it actually helps them. Remember the things that they that they need to know in order to to be better leaders or team yeah. members or whatever the issue is
1: yeah I'll, I'll answer this one on two levels as well I'll do the um do the more ground level uh answer and then a higher level answer afterwards but yeah, I think that you know obviously poets kind of i don 't want to say pride themselves on but definitely explore turn of turns of phrase in a way that uh is kind of essential to the craft, and I think by Making use of, of rhetorical tactics like diacopy and antithesis and tricolon. By nature, there are going to be some ideas that end up on the page and on the stage that uh, people have an easier time sort of grappling onto or that service sort of earworms. And so there, there are always a few lines that people, uh, you know, will kind of come back to when reflecting their experience in, this, in the audience to me as like, this is what stuck out to me. And I think. Um poetry does does definitely provide that opportunity in a unique way, but then the other thing that I mentioned, which I guess applies to kind of all art um but poetry certainly is included in this in my mind, is that I think the artist's opportunity on the stage and in a venue like that is to create this moment of of tension and intimacy between the stage and the audience with their art um, and if they do that right if they if they create this intense deeply intimate moment it can be just a moment whatever comes next the audience's heart is going to be so much more receptive to internalizing than they were when they walked in and Mm -hmm. so i think art's role in these contexts is in part to kind of um, serve as as a way to open the doors almost trojan horse style uh, to leave the audience with whatever the really important wisdom or insight is that you want them to take away. And um, by setting up that opportunity or setting up that moment through the lens of poetry, I think we we have a much better chance of um, ensuring that our words will even impact long after we've left the stage.
0: So so you mentioned that, that notion of a Trojan horse. It's, it's quite appealing. I mean, do you find people... You know, they sort of book you to do do something as a speaker and they get the poetry as, you know, as, as sort of an extra and then and then no doubt delighted, but nevertheless that yeah. Or are they are they buying a poet who 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 happens to, to do some some speaking, some more conventional speaking?
1: Yeah, I'd say that a lot of the time there's sort of perfect alignment in what the value proposition is where folks are wanting to get entertained but they're also wanting business insight. And in those situations, you know, folks are still going to be surprised by what the actual experience is, but they they get that that combination in the way that they were expecting of entertainment with with business insight. But I think there are some some experiences in which the client might just be expecting entertainment and um, are pleased and surprised to discover that the entertaining experience is used as a kind of um, a platform to springboard off of and provide something that that the audience can actually take away with them and either reflect on or put into practice when they leave the room and i think that that tends to Mm -hmm. tends to make make folks pretty happy
2: excellent we have a question we ask um all of our guests about when you're crafting those pieces do you how do you what's the process that you follow and is the end something that you start with, or you come to, or how do you get to that mic drop moment at the end line? What happens in your process? Yeah, I
1: feel like the end line really takes a long time, often for me to uh, to center in on. But honestly, it, it starts with the kind of the wading through the muck we were talking about earlier. I I will, you know, I might have four thousand words of stream of consciousness. Um, on a Google doc that I'll be reading through Mm -hmm. and sort of putting into the graveyard stuff. That's just like, you know, all you were saying here is I don't know what to write. Um, But then (laughs) after having that huge block of um, unfiltered thought, I'll pull out the most interesting ideas and, and put them up at the top of the page. And sometimes they won't be related ideas and they might have to find another doc to live in when another stream of consciousness exploration comes up that uh, that is more thematic and more relevant to the line that I have pulled out but I'll kind of just consolidate and um, wherever in those lines there's something that I feel drawn to explore I'll kind of build out that section and mm-hmm. what ends up becoming clear in the module that I've built out or the stanza or whatever uh, may provide some clarity on how I might want to uh, proceed in developing other lines that are on the page. And so the ending can might might come in the first twenty percent of that process. It might come at the very end. But either way I find that often the last line is the, the part that I am um am, am changing up the most because it is you know, it is important mm. to kind of leave that that oh. residue in an effective yeah. way. Um,
0: so I think now might so be a good time to um uh, we ask, uh, well, I guess, not just to share one of their own works, but also something that's, that's been a bit of an inspiration for them. So do you, do you have something, uh, Tucker, you can share with us?
1: Absolutely, yes. Uh, this is a poem I come back to probably oh, yeah, like on a monthly basis. Um, it is the poem called Duplex by Jericho Brown. A poem is a gesture toward home. It makes dark demands I call my own. Memory makes demands darker than my own. My last love drove a burgundy car. My first love drove a burgundy car. He was fast and awful, tall as my father. Steadfast and awful, my tall father hit hard as a hailstorm leave marks light rain hits easy but leaves its own mark like the sound of a mother weeping again like the sound of my mother weeping again no sound beating ends where it began none of the beaten end up how we began a poem is a gesture toward home well gosh
2: i love how that is encapsulated by the the first line is the same as the last line isn't it i did connect that and um wow and it's contained so well and it's hard message to contain i think in some ways or at least it it landed with me in that way um yeah the contrast between the sound and the leaving and impression the marks is really powerful thank you for sharing that yeah, that yeah a, i appreciate that, that. A...
1: yeah and just on your um comment about the the first and last lines i i, I feel sort of haunted by the starting and ending on a line that a poem is a gesture toward home um because of everything that comes in the middle there which is really heavy it you know it creates this feeling of almost being trapped or being chased by these ideas that um, you know we might call our own, but that in the, the speaker's mind feel more like we are a vessel to explore, um, and that mm, they have yeah. more control over us than than we might like. Because you know, trauma is trauma is trauma. Um, but I think that he encapsulated yeah. this in a really beautiful and uh, and tough, but but memorable way mm.
2: exactly mm. yeah
1: yeah
0: lovely lovely Gosh. um so to, to maybe sort of focus in a little bit more little lastly sort of as we wrap up around the sort of the um you know the performance side of your work i mean is there um i know you know one of the questions kate likes to ask around around do you, do you put on a i mean there's this sort of notion of sort of authenticity around delivering poetry and, and mm. spoken word but also a need to sort of put also put on a mask at times i mean a, a, like a uniform or a, a costume or or even you know little things that you you have that sort of talismans and things is there anything yeah. sort of around the ritual of performance that that might give us some insight into into your work as well
1: yeah yeah, it's funny because since since I'm performing in these corporate contexts, there's both this pressure to kind of um, align to the atmosphere and the aesthetic that is going to be reflected in the crowd, but also a pressure, yeah. not a pressure, but a desire and incentive to be authentic. And mm. I, you know, I don't even know that I would have necessarily thought of what I'm about to share in this context, but you sharing it certainly reveals to me that it is relevant um, the shirts that I wear are all these black button ups, but there's, there's like something, there's like something, there's something strange about all, like they're either all, you know, really long and kind of the, they, the tail reaches down to kind of like halfway down my thighs or the buttons are asymmetric and are, you, know, you button them up on the right side of your chest, and not in the middle. Um or they're call lists or the collars. So that there's I feel like um I've I've landed on this thing that allows me to feel like I'm blending in just enough, but also allowing parts of myself that I might be inspired by that are, are a little bit off the beaten path um to, to kind of whisper their way into the way I, I look on stage. I think that allows me to feel like I'm I'm getting into my stage persona um with a little bit more yeah, ease
0: yeah that's interesting I it love just, seems that. to me, just just as, as you're sort of talking about that and and you've obviously got you know for a poet you've got a very large wardrobe i'd say it sounds like you, you obviously, um, you're, obviously, you're obviously you're obviously doing well i've just got lots of hats uh, that's right uh, kate just has fun, funny hats lovely hats but funny hats that's great that the the this sort of odd tension between on the one hand to sort of sharing your work with the world um but on the other hand also it being very deeply personal that that it still mm. remains yours and it but it never really becomes everyone's does it mm does that does that am i sort of am i Kate, okay, am i barking up a weird tree here or does that make sense
2: I, Well, let took a answer that yeah that's i I'm, that I'm
0: really both that really resonates of you, but I'm asking
1: both of you so
0: you're both, you're not getting off the hook
2: i will oh, ask no, <laughs>
1: I think it's a, I think it's a very insightful sentiment. Um mostly because I feel like yeah, what what you put on stage can never be a hundred percent the audiences, but the beautiful thing is that if you have a hundred people in the audience, they're gonna leave with a hundred slightly different personal yeah. things. Um and I think Definitely. part of the beauty in, in, in putting the art up is allowing uh whatever is created to plant a hundred seeds. Um, that that folks can kind of take and nurture in, in the ways that are most personally relevant to them, Um and so yeah, it is kind of both like the the tragedy of of not being able to be a hundred percent understood by anyone in the audience, but also creating a hundred new things that that we will never fully understand either. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. You're
2: just gonna you're just gonna. I look at in okay, interpretation. You're
0: going to avoid going the to question totally by just saying, yeah, I agree, I
1: agree with
0: <laughs> no, Tucker.
2: No, my my answer to that would be short and sweet, and it would be that, exactly as Tucker has said, people will take your work and interpret it, but there are some things I don't share. So I'm a very open poet that shares a lot of things, but there's some poetry I don't, because it's there for me to make sense of the world I'm in, and it's, it's personal. So some of it, the authentic stuff... That doesn't need to be shared stays in the notebook.
1: Hmm.
0: Well, I, I fear we're you know we're 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 sort of out of time, and i i would have um, I would have loved to have heard the two other poems of yours that you you were thinking about, but didn't didn't share with us. So, um, but uh, hopefully, i will be to See in the future. Day. Uh, yeah, and yeah. and uh, you know this has been such a such a lovely conversation, and. Uh, you know speaking sort of personally um you know i i came across you sort of early in my journey from being a sort of a uh, a bit of a hack to taking some of my work a bit more seriously although i still there's still plenty of it i don't but but, but enough of it to make <laughs> sense to me so i i appreciate i appreciate you for that and for uh, for all our interactions over the years of, you know since basically since covid started so Great to have you join us here today, and I think, like I said, as I said in the opening, you sort of exemplify why we're doing this podcast in terms of, you know, bringing that, bringing poetry and spoken word into the into business, and 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 really inspiring people on a level that is very hard for even the most accomplished speakers. So, thank you, I Appreciate Tucker.
1: you, and and I want to say that Jan, you were the first conference chair that gave me, you know, a, a shot and 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 kind of saw the potential in um, bring poetry to the stage or, you know, bringing my poetry to the stage in a way that business leaders might be able to benefit from. And, um, it's just been so, I've been so grateful for that and for your presence and, um, yeah, just grateful for the energy that both of you are putting into the world by kind of encouraging people to lean into that curiosity, into that, um, that different way of, of seeing the world that they inhabit and and trying to navigate it. So, yeah, I just think the work that you're, you're both doing is, is super, super important and not done enough. And I uh, just have so much admiration for both of you for it. And, uh, yeah, your, your, your work is thank felt. You. I want to say that. Okay. Thank you very much. And thank you, Kate. Thank as you. As always.